And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Do you like change? Well, it's coming, whether you like it or not. Last few minutes that Emma Hayes, uh, she's confirmed she's going to be leaving Chelsea women at the end of the season to pursue. As the new year begins, what should we be looking out for in 2024? I'm Sophie Penny, and from The Athletic, this is Full Time Europe. I'm with The Athletic's senior reporter, Michael Cox. Hi, Michael. Hello. The Athletic's women's football editor, Chloe Morgan, is with us. Hi, Chloe. Hi, guys. And it's our women's football reporter, Charlotte Harper. Hi, Charlotte. Hi, Sophie. Michael, before we get into the detail, what do you hope 2024 will bring? For 2024, I hope the players can concentrate on their football. The World Cup was slightly overshadowed by what happened afterwards with Rubiales and the Spanish Federation. And I hope players just are able to focus on their game. The, the level of play has improved so much over the last few years. The technical quality in particular, I think that the physical capability of the players as well was really obvious at the World Cup. Um, and I hope they have the, the mental freedom, if you like, to just focus on being as good as possible at the thing that they're fantastic at. Last episode, we all picked out our moments of 2023 many of which will have repercussions in 2024. Charlotte, the big tournament of this year is the Olympics. You mentioned France and the protests that led to their change of manager as your moment of 2023. Do France look like they could win the Olympics? I think it'll be really tough in the Olympics. They've topped their Nations League group uh, with Austria, uh, Norway and Portugal. So that's definitely positive signs for them. Five wins, one draw. They play Germany in the semi-finals of the Nations League. That will be their biggest test so far. But I think just the buzz around the Olympics, hosted in Paris, obviously, and when Hervé Renard was appointed, uh, he and the French Football Federation agreed on two key objectives to reach at least the semi-finals at the World Cup. They agonisingly lost against Australia in that penalty shootout, but also to make the semi-finals of the Paris Olympic Games. And for Hervé Renard, a Frenchman himself, he's come from Saudi Arabia, men's team. That was a key priority for him to experience hosting a major tournament for women's football. So we know what home advantage can do, as we've seen in the Euros for England. Uh, so I think France will be strong contenders, especially since Hervé Renard will have more time than he did at the World Cup in terms of embedding in his philosophy and having those personal connections with the players. Michael, last episode, Meg Linehan, the athletic senior writer on US soccer, chose Emma Hayes becoming the US women's national team coach as her moment of 2023. Hayes is going to see out her time at Chelsea before starting the job in the US, which means she'll be taking over about two months before the Olympics. So will the US be a team to watch? How do you think that will play out? Yeah, I expect they'll be better than they were at the at the World Cup, where I think they really lacked any kind of cohesion or identity or 
footballing now, to be honest. They seem to me like a bunch of very talented individuals, a couple of very good young players, it must be said. And good in defence, I thought Naomi Gurma was, was maybe the outstanding centre-back of the tournament, even if she only played four games. So yeah, I think they're going to take a big step forward. And it's it's quite exciting to see what Emma Hayes can do there. We know she's been really successful uh, in the WSL, but she's been successful with with one team. So seeing her in a different environment, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think it'd be interesting to see if she has even had time to have an impact on the team as well. See if we notice anything from from what we're used to seeing at Chelsea. And of course, Chloe, it's going to have a massive impact on the WSL as well, isn't it? No Emma Hayes. What, what do you think it's going to look like? Oh, it was a dark day when that was announced. So <laughs> yeah, I think um, to obviously lose one of the icons of the game, I mean, having been with Chelsea for an 11th season and won so much silverware with the club, I think... It's not just the sort of impact that we'll have on the WSL. It'll be really interesting to sort of see, obviously, what the the individual impact is on Chelsea. I mean, she's been at the club for such a long time. She's overseen the careers of so many players. You know, been that kind of solid, consistent person that they've. You know, we've not really seen anything like it in terms of a managerial reign in the WSL. So, I think, um, yeah, it's going to be a massive, a massive loss. But I think also just in terms of the off the field stuff that she does as well. I mean, she's one of the the people that. You know, we always want to go to for, you know, the big opinion on, you know, certain things. You, you only have to look at even uh, sort of last month. I mean, in one of the press conferences that she did, she was, you know, giving back to, to Joe Barton. And I absolutely rate that. She's spoken out against all kinds of things over her, her career in terms of facilities or, you know, pay or, you know, she's been at the forefront of some of the sort of really innovative things at Chelsea with the kind of aura rings, with, you know, menstruation, with tracking, with ACLs. I mean, it's not just the impact that she's going to have, you know, on the day-to-day sort of pitch stuff. It's um, it's how iconic she is for the game. But I, I don't doubt that she will still be vocal and hopefully uh, we'll see a lot more of that in, in the sort of... Uh, in the year to come. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how she does with the US Women's National Team. I mean, the only way is up, I think, from um, from the World Cup. Um, it's interesting sort of seeing the US um, documentary on Netflix. I was watching a bit of that last night and sort of them going through and experiencing the game every single game day and, you know, how much, you know, things have changed in terms of the competition that they're now going against. So it'll be interesting to see tactically how she manages with the national team when she doesn't have had the sort of you know benefit of seeing those players week in week out so yeah bring it on I'm excited to see what's next for her but yeah absolutely gutted as well yeah it's a big loss isn't it Charlotte you've been kind of in and around Chelsea and you're very familiar with with the setup there how much do you actually think is going to change obviously there's players with their contracts up at the end of the season so do you think that the new Chelsea is going to look very different I think the foundations uh, will stay consistent. Uh, someone like Paul Green, who is a pillar for Chelsea women and has been there by Emma Hayes' side, he's staying and that's a huge security for the club in terms of recruitment and their their long-term plans, but also short-term. He took over media duties when Emma Hayes um, was ill, having had an emergency hysterectomy in October 2022. Uh, Denise Reddy is, is likely to go with Emma uh, for the US women's national team. Denise is her assistant at Chelsea at the time. So that will bring about some change. We don't know whether more staff will go with Emma. But of course, a new manager is going to have their philosophy, their character and their leadership style. And recruitment will depend on what they want and who they want to bring in. It was telling that Guru Wrighton, well, I know Michael is a big fan of her, especially with her performances last year, has signed a new contract. So she's 
she's uh, set the mark. And I think if one player signs, then that encourages more players to sign. But we know that Sam Kerr, Fran Kirby, Maren Mielder are all out of contract. And Emma Hayes is a big pull factor for a club like Chelsea. We don't know yet who they will appoint. The recruitment process is still underway. The bizarre thing is that they do have time, but they have to nail it. They have to get it right. And to have someone who's tactically astute and knows the game so well, but also personable and can treat players as individuals, we know that Sam Kerr needs different instructions and a a different management style to Lauren James, for example. So a lot of change will come about in Chelsea and and a bit of uncertainty, the most uncertain period that they've had for a long time. Michael, how much of an impact do you think it will have what Charlotte mentioned there around Guru Wrighton staying in in the team? Guru Wrighton was, I think, clearly the best player in the WSL last year and comes up with really important goals at big moments. So, yeah, her staying on is obviously a big deal for Chelsea. In terms of Emma Hayes, I actually think it's really good for the WSL that she's moving on and that's no you know, offence intended towards her. She's been so successful, so dominant. But I think at a time where the women's game has just grown massively, I think sometimes there's a danger that just one person can come to dominate the entire sport and basically take all the attention. And because she's been so successful in the WSL and she's also been a commentator on a lot of the, the Lionesses games, it feels to me like almost the rise of women's football is starting to be inextricably linked with Emma Hayes and... I think it's just good to refresh the league. I don't think it's great when a sport becomes entirely about one person. Um, I think there's going to be a big boots to fill. Uh, Whoever comes in is going to have a really difficult job. But I think in terms of the WSL just maybe becoming a bit more competitive if Chelsea drop off, I think that in the long run can only be a good thing for the league. If Chelsea become less competitive, could it not harm the league because they're no longer there to drive the standards? I think it's really important that there's more of a balance in the league. And I think when you've had one team winning it four years in a row, I think you become in danger of basically the entire support for women's football just being concentrated about around one, two, three, four teams. I think for the league to to get better, for the women's game to grow as a whole, we need other sides with it, with more of a chance of, of competing. You want to see Villa or Liverpool or Tottenham, these clubs have a chance of winning the league. And Hayes and Chelsea got such a stranglehold on it. I, I think sometimes you, if, you know, if you get new supporters involved and they find that actually the team is just going to finish fifth or sixth every year, maybe they drift away from the game. So, yeah, personally, I think the more teams who have a chance to win the league, the, the better. More on the WSL next, with new owners set to take over the league. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to Full-Time Europe from The Athletic. Of course, we'll also have the WSL under a new ownership as well, won't we, Charlotte? Nuco is is coming in. For people who don't know about it, just just explain very briefly what's happening with, with that. So Nuco is short for new company. So it's simply a working title. 
at this stage. And in July 2022, so just before the Euros, it was announced that the Women's Super League and the Women's Championship would change from being solely owned by the Football Association to being an independent entity, somewhat like uh, the Premier League when the Premier League split away uh, from the pyramid. And so Newco will be a new company that runs the professional women's game. And in terms of what changes we're going to see, it's all quite up in the air as we're recording, isn't it? What the new league is going to look like and how exactly it will be. But Chloe, it has been quite a difficult process for the championship clubs as well, hasn't it? Everyone has very different priorities across the the spectrum of, of championship and WSL teams. So what do you hope will come out of this new league, especially for those championship clubs? The negotiations were sort of, um, from what we can understand, sort of quite fraught. Obviously, the sort of the WSL brings in the most revenue. They obviously wanted the most say, things like commercial, marketing, uh, the league structure, things like that. And I think the championship clubs have probably had to uh, fight quite hard just to sort of get their sort of foot in the door. And I think, obviously... The only thing we sort of really know at this stage is that they're going to be taking 25% of the revenue and the, the, the WSL will be taking 75 And I think um, even just 25%, I think will definitely, hopefully, help those championship clubs sort of, you know, boost things like the amount they're able to play, uh, to pay players, the facilities, things like the FA player. I'm hoping that sort of gets developed on so that more of the championship games are being shown and broadcast and, you know, able to attract those kind of attendances. I think the facilities as well, some of the clubs that we used to play at, you know, the stadiums are sort of, you know, in the back ends of these, you know, um, cities that are no transport links, that kind of thing. So more, I think, recognition, more marketing, more accessibility for the championship clubs, because I, you know, they should be taken as a wider in- infrastructure. They're not the sort of second priority. They're supposed to be a league that sort of feeds into the WSL, is a good source of homegrown talent and also is a good way for WSL clubs to give some of the younger players who are starting out more game time experience. I mean, I, don't, I can't tell you how many players we've seen, you know, from the WSL drop into the championship for periods of time to spend time there to get those important game minutes. I mean, Kiara Keaton was at Coventry not too long ago and now she's starting pretty much every game for Man City. So, yeah, I think it needs to be given the importance that it that it does have and not be seen as this kind of add-on type thing. It's a, it's a product and it's a, it's a good product in its own right. Michael and Charlotte, in terms of the WSL side, what do you hope to see from Nuco? I think there's been discussions about a fixed broadcast time slot uh, for the women's game. We know that the, the men's TV schedule is saturated and for the women's game to compete, there's been talk about whether the Saturday 3pm blackout will be wiped for the women's game. There are calls as well for expanding the league. I'd be hesitant to expand it too much because you want to make sure that there's consistency in standards. We've seen the top four having brilliant facilities and other clubs not having those professional standards. Of course, I understand why you'd want to expand the league because expanding the league means more games, more content, and that will enable the league to negotiate a better TV rights deal that's um, going out to tender in 2024 as we are now so that's very important for the league to renegotiate that as well Uh, so there is a lot whether it's governance or facilities um, TV rights to set up a new company it's going to it's not going to be an easy task and the CEO Nikki Doucette uh, is a former investment banker has got a lot on her hands but I think it's positive that you have 
a new board created with innovation and to take the lead to the next level. Marco, is there anything else you want to add to that that you would like to see in the WSL? Uh, I'd like to see uh, stricter limits on squad sizes. I think there's a real danger that some of the big clubs are just going to hoard players who end up not playing that much. You look at Arsenal's squads, and I know that they've got a lot of, you know, they've had a lot of long-term injuries. They've had to invest in new players, but they've got like 26, 27, like really good WSL quality players of whom a lot, you know, are just not going to see any action if if everyone is fit. Same for Chelsea as well. Yeah, same for Chelsea as well. And I completely appreciate that there's, you know, you've got to guard against overplaying players and, and preventing injuries. But I just don't think it's a, a good situation when someone like, I'm just looking at squad squad list now. I mean, some of the players who aren't getting on Arsenal's bench would start for a mid-table WSL team. And again, I think we have to be really careful that, not all the attention, not all the success is just the the four biggest clubs. You know, we want to attract people to support West Ham or Brighton or whoever. And if they're getting, with all due respect, kind of third-rate players because the second second tier of players are just mere occasional backups for the big clubs, I just don't think that creates a very good league. I completely agree with your point about strengthening the teams lower down the league. But what about the teams that have Champions League football that really need that depth? I mean, as you know, in the men's game, obviously you have a 25 player limit, but within that, a lot of them have to be homegrown. And so you can have exemptions for young players, players who've been developed by the club, players who've been developed developed in England. But yeah, I mean, Arsenal have got an incredibly multi uh, multinational squad of whom some great players are just not going to play. And that just seems a, just a waste for football in general to me. Right, we're going to have to wrap up there. We'll see as the year goes on how 2024 unfolds. Thank you so much for joining me, Michael Cox, Chloe Morgan and Charlotte Harper. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers. Thank you, guys. You're listening to Full Time Europe with Sophie Penny. Let's finish on a player to look out for in 2024, who you might have missed watching the WSL on TV. You'll have heard Full Time Europe is sponsored by Google Pixel. Now it's time to go beyond the frame with Jesse Parker Humphreys from the North London Derby at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Beyond the frame with Google Pixel. Everything you're about to hear has been recorded using Google Pixel's Audio Magic Eraser tool. That means that instead of our journalists' audio being drowned out by the crowd, the audio sounds just the way the journalist you're about to hear wants you to. You'll hear them loud and clear thanks to Audio Magic Eraser removing distracting sounds in Beyond the Frame. Requires Google Photos app. May not work on all images or all audio elements. Something that really stood out in this game was the performance of Kit Graham. She come back from a long-term injury at the end of last season. Normally known her as an attacking midfielder, but Spurs have had a lot of injuries to that midfield and we've seen Villaham decide to use her further back as a result, basically playing as, as Spurs' deepest lying midfielder today. But, but what a game she had in that role. She looked confident on the ball. She was going in and winning those ground drills, always looking for that pass forward. And she won't necessarily be the player, I think, who gets a lot of focus from this game, but it was really clear that she brought a calmness and a leadership to the Spurs midfield, which is particularly impressive given that she was playing in a position that she's not used to being in. 
And as Arsenal piled on that pressure, she was one of those players who was able to find those moments whereby Spurs could get the ball a bit higher up the pitch, relieve some of that pressure that, that Arsenal were putting on them. So really exciting time for, for Graham as a player. And it will be really, really interesting to see if that is something that that is a position that she sticks with as the season goes on, as maybe some of those other players come back from injury because it looks like it really, really suits her. Beyond the Frame with Google Pixel. All the big stories of 2024 will be covered on The Athletic. Head to theathletic.com slash WSL to grab your subscription now. Before you go, please take a second to give us a rating and a review. And don't forget to follow Full Time Europe on your podcast feed so you get all our episodes in 2024. You can also send us your thoughts on fte at theathletic.com via email or at theathleticfc on Twitter and Instagram. We'll be back soon when the 2024 action kicks off. Until then, bye-bye. You've been listening to Full Time Europe, part of the Athletic Football Podcast Network. The producer was Sophie Penny and the executive producer was Abby Patterson. To discover and listen to other great athletic podcasts just like this one, including our brand new daily football briefing, search for The Athletic on Apple, Spotify and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.